I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. I'm Kate. And welcome to Topical Island. Each week, one of us will deep dive into a topic that interests us. Have you ever wondered how to become a Disney princess? Is diva behavior acceptable? And what does it have to do with the opera? Will we get to work from home forever, ever? Join us as we answer these questions and more. As each week, we will take you to a different topical island. Hello, ladies. How is everyone doing today? Julie? Hello, Kristen. Hello, Kate. I'm doing really well. It is springtime, and my family went on a two-day adventure to Kananaskis, where we stayed in a hotel, and it was like the shining because there's nobody there. Uh, (laughs) And it's snowy. It was snowy, right? It was snowy. As stressful as The Shining, or were you somewhat more at ease? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely more at ease. It was kind of lovely. And the funniest thing about it to me is that, you know, we did a few hikes. Because it was snowy, we were planning to do some biking, but we weren't able to do that just because of the weather. So we did some hikes slash walks. And then we kind of hung out a lot. But I'm here to tell you, hanging out Mm -hmm. somewhere that's not in your home, it's lovely. Like it was, I I was surprised. I was like, oh, I don't need more downtime. I was hoping for more activity, but to have some downtime in a new setting was really, really nice. And I got to watch cable for the first time in years. And I'm a little bit, I, what, I'm a little bit dismayed with what is on television. It's really there's this one show called <laughs> My Feet Hurt, I think it's called. And is it's this all TLC? About- is it on TLC? Yes. <laughs> what is the yes. show? I, well, I-, I guess I would have no idea currently what the roster of shows are on TLC. Because when I, but they were, I mean, they were kind of branching out there. Um, it's My 600 Pound Life. Um, right. Outdaughtered. I don't even know what that is. It just said that's what was on. And then this feet show where I did turn to it at one point and it was, they were cutting somebody's calluses off of their feet. They've gone too far with that. Cause it was that it was first that Dr. Pimple Popper, which okay. I cannot what? watch. Oh, you, oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So there was this lady who would, there was a whole show about that. Yeah. And like, sometimes people end up with these huge growths and they, I guess it's, they were just playing on the fact, I think she might've had a YouTube channel or something. And it okay. got so popular, they gave her a show. And now they've decided, well, people obviously love the. I think t- the, t- the thing that TLC does is they once they find something, they just they, they just dig in. Yeah, they yeah. Dig. Really <laughs> 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 oh, sometimes quite literally, apparently. <laughs> um, so yes, I was reacquainted with television, which was um, not enjoyable. <laughs> But it was so wonderful to get away. And uh, yeah, it was a great week. Uh, They've been talking a lot about like going to a hotel to support local hotels and things like that. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting to hear that you found that beneficial because sometimes I'm like, would I feel weird about doing that? Something or so close by, but it's good to know that that was a very positive experience for you. It it was. And, you know, the technology is such now that you don't have to check in. You check in on your phone. Your phone becomes your key card at the hotel. So you just hold it. Mm-hmm. They've they've done a lot to make sure that if if 
if the way you feel safe is to have zero contact, that's absolutely possible. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Kate, how has your week been? My week's been great. Again, I can't get enough of this weather, but to to just side note from the beautifulness of spring, I think you both know I had I had addressed a little bit of a peeve. I think that you are both aware of when people buy planters and leave the tags oh, yeah. on. Yes. So that's I mean, I could I could have a whole show called Don't Pet My Peeves. Um, but <laughs> An additional peeve to that that I've seen a lot of lately is planters from Christmas, sometimes I want to say last spring, on people's porches that it's, I don't think it would be that big of a task. And I personally (laughs) don't think it's that large of an ask to not have things just rotting on your front stoop. And so I've yeah. just, I've seen a lot of it and it's driving me nuts. Okay. And I, I need Julie to weigh in on this because in, in our last conversation about planters, Julie then revealed that she may have been one of those people. Who leaves the tags on and so gave, Julie- a, gave an explanation <laughs> that I appreciated. But Julie, do you currently have, you know, what was maybe once a beautiful Christmas planter now rotting and brown and maybe still has the little Merry Christmas stick sticking out of it? I might just drive the hour to your house and rip it off your porch if you say yes. <laughs> no, I I emptied mine. I emptied mine in late January, which is, they were very Christmassy. So I would have, that felt too long. Um, mm. But right now my planters are sitting empty because it's just a little too early for, uh, you know, the spring frost hardy stuff like mums and that. So they're just two empty planters. And that Which is me, okay. It's, it's a little bit sad, though. It might be a little bit sad, but that's okay. I think you're you're ready to get out <laughs> there, and you've got a clean slate. And I, you know, would I feel like sometimes I just want to go around the neighborhood and either maybe leave a post-it note on the door or just get in there and do it myself. <laughs> well, and I struggle with that a little bit because. As a lazy person, especially when it comes to like gardening and planters, I've mentioned that I do leave the tags on sometimes for good reason. Sometimes they have information that's important. But with those compost bins, it's nothing to go just dump that in your compost bin. It really isn't. No. Hmm. Uh, So that's that's my little rant for today. I don't want to take up too much time on that. But, you know, clean up your out there, clean out the planters, clean up your yard. I mean, what it comes down to is self-respect, I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that is (laughs) your home's handshake. Have some self-respect, my God. And what else are you doing right now? I mean, these are the things we're looking for (laughs) to do. These are the things to do. (laughs) Kristen, have you been up to much this week? I, I got a gift card from Amazon, and I purchased with it this mahogany teakwood candle from... Bath and Body Bath and Works. Body Works. Yeah, I recognize it. Now, I love mahogany teakwood. I love the scent. It's kind of that man scent, you know? Have you guys smelled that? It's like... Yes. I've seen the candles, but I haven't... Like, I, I've seen the the candles that are geared specifically towards men, but I haven't actually smelt them. I don't know if it's for a man, but it's of a man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Anyways, I didn't know. I did notice this, but I thought they were joking on the description. It says high intensity, and boy, howdy, is it? (laughs) Like for the the scent is high intensity. 
The scent is high intensity. And as anyone knows who has ever purchased a Bath and Body Works, you could describe them as already high intensity. Very you much so. Absolutely could. And so uh, I just thought, well, yeah, they are. But it actually literally says high intensity on it. And I don't know if I would recommend it. I'm just putting <laughs> that out there. Like, do you even it light is, it? Yeah. I, well, okay. right now I can smell it and it's not, it's not lit. lit. But I, yeah. I had it lit yesterday in the home and it, it changed the composition of the smell of my home. <laughs> And so I just um, wanted to put that out there. Just a, I don't even know. A little bit yeah. of a warning, maybe. <laughs> a little bit of a warning to our listeners. I feel like, to be fair, they did try to put a warning. On <laughs> <it>. <laughs> this is just Kristen agreeing Kristen, with the warning. Right. I'm saying, believe, when someone tells you what they are, believe them. Believe I think it's what the saying goes. Yes. Yes. Um, so with that word of warning, I uh, I believe that our dear friend Julie uh, is going to be taking us on a little adventure today. So Julie, where, where are we going today? Today, we are going to talk about the demise of the food pyramid. Whoa. Oh, like the Canadian food pyramid? Well, or was it... A North American thing, or go, I, I hope you're going to tell us. <laughs> I will let you know, and and you know, I'm sure when I say it, you probably are brought back to like I feel like elementary school when there was a pyramid. Oh, okay. And yeah. the bottom was carbs, like bread, Basically. pasta, potatoes, and then you got into fruits and vegetables, and then I believe it was called uh, protein. Protein and dairy, I think. And then at the very, very, very top was like sweets and fats. Mm. Well, I'm here to tell you the food pyramid is no more. So both Canada and the U.S. have moved away from the food pyramid and now have a plate. So I'll let you know what that looks like. But first, let's go back to the beginning of where did this food pyramid come from? So there. before the food pyramid, um, mm-hmm. right around the time of the Second World War, when food rationing was prevalent, um, people, you know, we just didn't have the same, people didn't have the same access as we do now. I mean, for us, you want anything out of season, you just go get it. Whereas then things like sugar and coffee were rationed because of the war, overall war effort. So at that time, the U.S. government had what was called the food circle. Oh. The food circle had seven equal wedges to it, kind of like the little, you know, like a little pie. Mm-hmm. So group, group one of the food circle was green and yellow vegetables, some raw, some cooked, frozen, or, or whatever canned. was in season. Or canned, too. That's right. Green and yellow. So the focus here was on the color, mm-hmm. which I thought is interesting. Group two is where you oranges, tomatoes, grapefruit, uh, cabbage, and greens, like, you know, like the more like a salad green. So that was a mix of fruits and vegetables. So mix of fruits. So we're going from green and yellow veg to orange tomatoes, grapefruit, sort of that reddish yellowish. And then the third group was potatoes and other vegetables and fruits. So out of the seven, Three are dedicated to fruits and veg right off the hop. Hmm, Group four is milk and milk products. So cheese, yogurt, milk. Group five, meat, poultry, fish, or eggs. 
Group six is bread, flour, and cereals. And group seven is butter and fortified margarine with added vitamin A. So interesting. To me, that's a pretty diverse wheel. And I think Mm -hmm. that it's really interesting that three out of the seven are already dedicated to fruits and vegetables. Which is great, right? It's great. And a little different than the pyramid we know. Yeah. So when did the pyramid come about? So back, it's actually originates in Sweden. So they had set up what's called the KF Provkok. I don't know if that's, I'm probably butchering the Swedish language, but it was essentially the equivalent of America's test kitchen. So it was kind of like a consumer advocacy group who was going to like test different things. And they had some nutritionists and they even developed a cookbook in the fifties that was kind of about using what you had. So like steam irons and meat thermometers, some new tech with some old tech that you had to like kind of make the most out of the food you had. And Mm -hmm which was originally a crisis book, but actually became quite innovative of like how to, how to prepare food differently. Um, And then in the 1970s, when food prices were soaring, there was all kinds of protests in Sweden. Like we want cheaper food was the big protest. Now I will tell you right now, this is from an article that was translated to English. So it might've been a more catchy slogan than we want cheaper food. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to know. I'm putting it on a poster immediately. (laughs) I do want cheaper food. We want cheaper food. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get your point across. Right? (laughs) Yes. The food costs too much. So basically, um, between this KF Provkok and the National Board of Health and Welfare in Sweden, they kind of came together and back and forth. And they were like, we need to simplify a way to get people to eat as much nutrition for the least amount of cost. And out of that was born what we think of when we think of the food pyramid. So at the bottom is all grains. And then there's a big chunk in the middle that's fruits and veg. And then at the tippy top of that pyramid was basically your meats and proteins. And if you consider that in the context of we want cheaper food, that makes sense. Grains, corn, wheat, cheap. Veg, a little bit, a little bit more expensive. Meat, most expensive. Interesting. So that was the origin of what we call the food pyramid. Very interesting because when you think of it, you're like, when you think of it in that context, it it has very little to do with health and nutrition and more to do with availability and money. Right. So that was the 1970s in Sweden. Years later, 1991-1992, the United States Department of Agriculture developed what we grew up with, which was the food pyramid and formed part of Canada's food guide. Mm -hmm. So 1992, and basically, and I'm going to quote a little bit of Walter Willett. He's a doctor and the chair of the nutrition department at the Harvard School of Public Health. And that triangle, that pyramid was all about no fat. Fat is bad. And I think that some of that probably just, I think fat got such a bad rap because it's so calorically dense, right? Like you can't, I mean, when you're wanting to reduce your caloric intake, really easy thing to do, remove fat because there's so many calories in that. So I think it got a bad rap. Problem being that 
um, many fats are actually very necessary to our health. So it said at the top of the pyramid, it said fats and oils used sparingly. They didn't like say there are good fats and bad fats. It didn't say like give any more information about that. It just said fats bad, use at least. Mm-hmm. Well, and do you remember like growing up, being young, there was all, it was every, you could get an, a low fat or no fat version of anything. Anything. Yes. And you automatically think, well, that's the better version. Why would anybody get the full fat? But we know now with, you know, the educational awareness around good fats, bad fats and all of that, that low fat to no fat often, you know, there might be a ton more sugar in something, which is not the better of the choices. It's really not. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember even as a kid, I remember, you know, nibs, they're like a Twizzler kind of Mm -hmm. product. And I remember saying, somebody had told me like, and I was like, this was like grade five. And somebody was like, oh yeah, nibs have no fat. And I remember saying that to an adult, a mom on my ringette team. And I was like, oh, well, these have no fat. And she just looked at me. She's like, yeah, no, they're full of sugar. Like, and, and, but to me, based on what I had learned, which wasn't necessarily right or based on scientific evidence. But to me, I was like, no, that's fine. It's fats that are really bad. Like we just, absolutely. there's just this massive label on, on fats. And I mean, Jello also has no fat. So <laughs> that, I mean, and, but I had the same kind of mindset around that too. It was always looking at, well, and there's, and there's hardly any calories in it. Like, yeah, just silliness. Now in hindsight, right? Mm -hmm. So another uh, thing that sort of was a little bit, went a little bit sideways with the food pyramid is it's an obler simplification of a very complex thing. It -hmm. doesn't take into account um, your age, your gender, any kind of hormonal shifts or imbalances or balances that you have within your body. Um, There's no accommodation for that. It's just this is it, the end, it's an oversimplification. So, and especially when you look at that, uh, the Swedish one, there was only three layers. I mean, by the time the USDA released theirs, I, you know, at least there was a little bit more, a little bit more layers. And in an interview with Dr. Walter Willett, the question was like, I mean, people didn't really follow the food pyramid. Like, do we even need to blame, do we blame it for people's poor health. But I don't know how you guys feel. I felt very influenced as a young person by the food pyramid. Well, it was something that was taught to us in school. I remember receiving the food pyramid and the, and Canada's food guide and going over like, what are healthy choices? And, it, you know, so it was part of our education. So yeah, I, I was also very influenced by that. Well, and I think they had, I don't know if this was like an iteration of it, but do they not have like recommended servings for each, whether you were a boy or a girl, or is that later? So they did. And for a lot of people, um, we just saw it as they kind of, yeah, they're generally women. They had a few, a little bit fewer, but for example, that, that grain, that carbohydrate layer or the starch layer of that pyramid, it was recommending six to 11 servings per day. Wow. That's a lot. Like I, I think I would. And can you remind us what an example of one serving would be? 
Sure. So that would be about, um, they often said, like, think of your fist. Like a cup. Like a cup. I think yeah. your, fi- your fist is a cup. Yeah. Your fist is a cup. So that's about, so 11 servings. So that would be like uh, 11 potato, 11 small size potatoes or, you know, just oversimplify, but that's a lot. That's a lot to eat. Um, and, yeah. and when you consider that that is what they want you to eat the most, or we're recommending that you eat the most of, that's not necessarily, um, there's not necessary. it's not necessarily related to your health at all. And it kind of going back to the origins of the pyramid, sure, that would, I guess maybe that would fill you up over a day, but it's not necessarily filling you up with nutrients and nutrition. But well, can I just jump in and say, when I make mashed potatoes for the family, like for the family of three, me, my husband, and my four-year-old, I use at max five potatoes and that's for two servings because it would have significant leftovers. So if I ate 11 potatoes in a day, like that would, first of all, there'd be room for nothing else. And yeah, you know, you, you need to take into consideration nutrients. Yes. I can't imagine how many mashed potatoes it would make to, <laughs> it, for 11 potatoes, like 11 fist-sized potatoes. Yeah, and it's just a huge amount of starch. And there's not really, there's no scientific evidence according to, you know, the nutrition department at Harvard, who I'm guessing, you know, I think they might have it right. A huge amount of starch is, there's no correlation to overall health there. And, and the, and the other thing that's missing from this pyramid is anything to do with activity, right? Mm, Right. There's nothing there. It's just about food. So 2005 saw the USDA and, you know, I, here's what I'll say about, you know, another potential conflict of interest is the food pyramid was developed by the United States Department of Agriculture. So they have Mm -hmm. a vested interest in selling you grains, meat, dairy. So it it could be, I'm not saying it is, and I I didn't necessarily come across any evidence to support this, but the USDA has a vested interest in selling certain kinds of food. Mm -hmm. So why they put the meat at the top then? Well, (laughs) because it's very expensive. (laughs) And I think, so what's interesting is, so when we get to the 2005 uh, pyramid and and, you know, to your point, Kristen, fair, um, why there's, they're not recommending a huge amount of meat, but they have always recommended a lot of dairy. That's one that is very interesting to me. Yeah. Now, only because I just learned this this week, did you guys know, this is just a little fun fact, I will interject, that after the age of six, if your body is able to properly digest dairy, you are actually not the norm. The norm is for people to be somewhat lactose intolerant because wow. it's not natural to continue to consume dairy after they say the age of six. Anyway, mm. just a fun fact I learned this week. I think that makes a lot of sense, actually, and, and you know why so many people are lactose intolerant, right? Very interesting. So come 2005, the USDA was getting a lot of flack about the food pyramid and its lack of... lack of nutritional value, truthfully. So they turned the pyramid up on its head and it was no longer horizontal strips. It became vertical wedges, but it was still the pyramid for no good reason at this point, because 
it, it doesn't make a nice triangle, but they were <laughs> recommending grains six. Now this is for a 2000 calorie diet. They were recommending six ounces of grains, which is a far cry from the 11 servings of potatoes we were talking about. <laughs> two and a half cups of vegetables, two cups of fruit, limited intakes of fats and oils. So still with that, three cups of milk and 5.5 mm -hmm. ounces of meat, fish, eggs, and beans. Now this pyramid also had a person walking up the side. So they're, they were bringing in that uh, physical activity. It said maintain balance between food and physical activity. And yeah, so they really did change the pyramid in 2005. Sorry, did you say, Julie, that was USDA? So did that change in Canada too then? So what's interesting in Canada is there was a minor shift, but today both the USDA and um, Canada Health, and interesting to note that Canadian Food Guide is published by Health Canada, not by the uh, Natural Resources or Agriculture Department. Okay. Which, again, interesting. And there's some minor differences in what is now the plate. So now we've yeah. switched entirely from uh, the pyramid and we've gone to the plate, which is a circle, which is not that different from that World War II circle we talked about at the, at the onset of this. <laughs> and that circle had the original seven slices. It had seven slices, yeah. You could even say we've come full circle. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there remains one pyramid out there, and that is from the School of Public Health at Harvard. They've called it's called the Healthy Eating Pyramid. And the base layer, the biggest layer, is now called daily exercise and weight control. And what they're talking about there is portion size. Mm. Um, so that's in their eyes, the most important, the biggest um, piece of the pyramid it, with this new Harvard pyramid model is daily exercise and weight control. The second biggest is we've got vegetables and fruits. We've got uh, healthy fats and oils and whole grains. So that was the other thing is you know, there was a lot of push at just grains and it never was taught. And there was never that additional, like, okay, it should be whole grains and less refined or less processed grains. So this, so we've got this vegetables, healthy fats and oils and whole grains. Then we move up the chain, nuts, seeds, beans, and tofu, fish, poultry, and eggs. And then one to two servings a day is dairy or vitamin D slash calcium supplement. And then at the very tippy top to use sparingly is red meat and butter, refined grains like white bread, rice and pasta, sugary drinks and sweets and salt. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's out of Harvard. That's the only uh, current pyramid that is recommended in North America that I can find. As I say, most have moved to the plate. So let's talk about the plate. I'm going to, I'm really picking on the USDA today, but the USDA still has, it's called choose my plate. Yeah. And the big, about just over a quarter of the plate is vegetables. Just under a quarter of the plate is fruits. 
a quarter of the plate is grains and a quarter of the plate is protein. And then the glass that they have there is dairy. It's again, extremely simplified. They don't provide any additional like context, like grains. Okay. Can I just eat a big pile of corn? Is that good enough? Or, or like, who knows? Um, But if we look to Canada's food guide, I think based on my limited research, it's quite lovely. And it's the most, it actually is a plate with real food on it. So it's not a drawing. It's a real picture. Half of the plate is vegetables and fruits. And they've got pictures of broccoli, carrots, blueberries, strawberries, apples, peppers, cabbage, um, yam, potatoes, peas, tomatoes, spinach, taking up half of your plate. A quarter of the plate is protein foods. So tofu, yogurt, eggs, lentils, beans, almonds. Like, again, it's, it's quite beautiful to look at. And then a quarter of your plate is whole grains. So they've got whole wheat toast. They've got quinoa. They've got brown rice. And the drink of choice is water. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So that's Canada's current food guide is the plate. And it's half vegetables and fruit, quarter protein, quarter whole grain, have some water with your meal. Out of curiosity, do they have any dairy in the protein? They have have a little what looks like yogurt. Oh, right. You had mentioned that. A little bit of yogurt. They've got salmon, tofu. Yeah, there's definitely not that same reliance on dairy that I remember coming up, like as a kid, there was a huge push on having milk. Oh, Um, yeah. And that's no longer part of Canada's food guide. So in addition to the plate, there's Mm -hmm. some tips, which I think are nice. Uh, Be mindful Mm -hmm. of your eating habits. So don't just eat mindlessly. Been there. Gotcha. Cook more often, which we're all doing a little bit more these days. Enjoy your food. Like, mm-hmm. take the time. That's huge. It isn't it? I think I eat over the sink and don't even realize what I'm putting in my mouth sometimes. I know. And sometimes it could be something really healthy or really unhealthy. But either way, you're not you're not taking the time to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that um, over COVID, we've been doing a lot of home cooking. And like, sometimes like, we made homemade donuts one time. Everybody should only ever make homemade donuts because they're a ton of work <laughs> and they're delightful, but you really appreciate them. Whereas if you go to oh, Tim Hortons and buy a 75 cent donut, oh yeah, sure, sure, that might bring you some delight for like 30 seconds, but probably doesn't. And it's, it's not a treat in the same way because it's yeah. so accessible. Mm-hmm. There's my two cents. Um, eat yeah. meals with others. So, you know, take the, obviously not possible at the moment, but when you can enjoy the company of others, use food labels, limit highly processed foods and gentle reminder that marketing can influence your food choices. So wow. personally, like I'm, I'm quite impressed with uh, the direction Canada has chosen to take with their new food guide. What do you ladies think? I remember it being in the news when they had completely revamped and come out with this new plate and not really thinking any more of it than hearing, oh, they've redone it. I hadn't really looked further into it, I think. And that might be because you're bombarded by 
you know, information on what's good and bad for you. And so I kind of have come to my own conclusions on what's best for me. And but I think it's it's interesting that, yeah, we used to be taught these things and and in schools. Now, this is a bit of a, a, a side note, but I remember so I, we have a friend. I've got a friend who's a teacher in Manitoba. And I remember her telling us that one of the cafeteria items that they had was tacos in a bag in school. And it was, so you literally take like a bag of Doritos, you open it up, put like ground beef, cheese, a bunch of toppings, and then you shake it all up. And don't get me wrong, I've had them. They're delicious, (laughs) but in no way, shape or form should that be in the cafeteria at a school. Kristen, Um, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I did kind of look at the new food guide and I was actually really, I thought it was amazing too. Like, I love the aspects that they put around it that are, like, social, not just about what you're eating. That's, like, I think part of it was, too, is eating with your family. Like, I think some, like, I grew up eating with my family, like, having family dinner. I don't know. I know in different families it's very different, but I liked that they added a lot of that social tradition into it. Um, And I also felt so, like, I was actually really proud of them for the dairy stuff because, it was hugely controversial. Like I think a lot of the farmers were quite upset by it. Yeah. But I don't think if that's what has been researched and found that it's not as necessary for you, it, like food guys shouldn't be based on industries. Like that's just, no, to me, not that's not right. And so I just like, I just liken back to like, I don't know if you guys remember in our, in our teenage years or even younger, maybe those got milk ads and like, I oh, used yeah. to collect them all and had them on my wall. And it was like, Oh my God, so did I. (laughs) Epidemic that no one was drinking enough milk. We all had to drink more milk. And it's just like, where did that even come from? You know, I just trusted it. But I guess, I mean, to your point, Kate, like it's probably good to take it all with a grain of salt because you realize how influenced some things. I mean, I think this Canadian food guide is quite good, but I mean, being fed with these kinds of things for so long. And then one personal story, my, I was just chatting with my mom because my, my, um, aunt is in a care home now where she um, it basically has very regulated food, but it's all very based on like what she should be eating. And essentially she's in her eighties and is on like one kind of medication and it's not like health related and anything she was taking before she does no longer need. And so like what you put in your body is so important. And I feel like it's yeah. so simple, wow. but it's so like overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's true. There's, I mean, when you consider like the context, some of this stuff was developed in like things like rationing or food shortages or high cost of food, like some of that. Okay. I, I understand why they took that tack, but then when it gets to the point where it's, you know, uh, a specific industry that's driving it, if that's where, it, and it starts to part ways with the science that we know and, and what we do know about nutrition now that's where it's really not okay. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and part of this is because my four-year-old came home and told me about the pyramid. And she's like, treats are at the top. You shouldn't eat too many treats. <laughs> and I was like, are we still doing the pyramid? Like, I mean, sh- yeah, you should not have treats all the time. But are, is that? But I did look into it a bit more. And although there is a pyramid, now we look more at the plate, the circle. Hmm. So what was the pyramid she was referring to? Is still part of the Canadian food guide or just was out of school? No, I think that was a, 
She goes to an old school daycare who probably hasn't, <laughs> okay. hasn't changed <laughs> their hand. Laminated sheets from back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. That's what's happening. I guess I'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Please do. Yeah, it just makes you realize you got to question all the information you get, unfortunately. So true. And, it, and, and the marketing point was really interesting, too. Like when they said, just be aware of marketing because it's so it's just so true. Oh, man. Like, you know, this when keto really took off, like and now you go to the grocery store and like it's bombarding. Like and I'm like, should I only be eating like these weird keto bars that are made out of like <laughs> 16 kinds of oils? Like, yeah. <sighs> I don't, I, I don't, that doesn't feel right with me. That doesn't resonate with me, but man, it's everywhere. It is mm-hmm. everywhere. Another um, interesting tidbit that I learned and I forget where, and so don't hold me to it, um, <laughs> is that I believe that it said women, but it could just be people. But they say that women are more likely to buy something if it's not in a shiny package. And so think of chips. And so, you know, your typical, like, let's say Ruffles bag is like that shiny, it's got that shininess to it, but then you can get different brands that have more of like a paper bag feel. And so apparently we are more drawn to buy those types of packaging because, and I mean, don't get me, yes, of course there's huge marketing that goes into how things are packaged and what draws, draws the consumer in because you automatically think healthier. I'm, and I'm putting air quotes in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like those kettle, I will always buy the like kettle chips that are in the like kind of matte colored before I yes. would buy Lay's. I know they're the same oh. thing. Rationally, in my mind, I know they're the same thing. But there's like a modicum, there's something that's there's probably something a little them. bit better about those kettle chips. <laughs> there's not. There's not. But yeah, yeah. that's amazing. And I believe it. Wow, really interesting topic, Julie. There you go. The demise of the food pyramid. Thanks so much, Julie. That gives us lots to think and, and research. Um, and I feel like we're on a pretty happy train, but I feel like, Kate, let's keep on rolling. What, what's your news for the week? Okay, so this is, I'm going to completely switch gears. Okay. I don't, this is, this is a happy story because I only just learned about it, but it's not a recent story. Uh, but I think mm. you will both appreciate what I have to say. So in 2015, scientists discovered a new species of spider. The spider had an oddly shaped brown patterned body that from that rises from a wide base to a tapered and bent peak over the spider's back. So it kind of looks like he's wearing a hat. <laughs> I'm done. Very- I'm, I'm already on board. <laughs> Now, the purpose of the shape of the spider is so he he can or they can make themselves uh, camouflage themselves as dead leaves. And so, yeah, that's kind of the, the body of the spider. However, the scientists who discovered it also noted that the shape of his body bears a striking resemblance to the sorting hat in Harry Harry Potter. Potter. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, and so this this animal belongs to the genus I'm going to butcher this, Eriovixia. And so they named it officially, this spider's name is Eriovixia Gryffindori. Yay! Isn't that cute? cute? That's so cute. (laughs) 
<sighs> what if he's like, I, I kind of feel like more of a Slytherin. Yeah, we don't know. Well, um, we don't know, but I I believe they had noted, like, these. I think these scientists were really really In big tune. harry potter yeah, nerds yeah, which i have to, i confess i am i am not i find this interesting but um yeah. and so in there also get my joke <laughs> no i get your joke <laughs> i'm not that out of touch <laughs> but the reason that they named it um gryffindory is because didn't the Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, didn't the sorting the sorting hat? Its original owner was a Gryffindor, was it oh, not? Oh, that is some good Harry Potter trivia. I don't know. Yeah, I'm the yeah. worst. I, I love those books, but I don't remember anything ever. <laughs> I believe, in fact, you know, I believe that the it was the. Sorting Hat's original owner was the co-founder of Hogwarts, and yes, I'm reading this off the internet, to the fictional <laughs> wizard Godric Gryffindor. Okay. Okay, yeah. And so these Makes scientists sense. knew that. And uh, so these scientists were in, I want to say, India. Okay. India. Oh, very yeah. cool. The Harry Potter spider. Okay, well, I got to... And what I also love about it is that I am not a fan of spiders, I can handle them around the house and like we live in Canada. They're not that they're they're not that harmful. But I don't really like them. But to know that backstory of this spider, I think to see to just see it in the wild, I would be like, oh my God, what the hell is that? <laughs> but then you'd be like, you got a little sorting hat on. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it makes it makes the spider a bit more personable. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, ladies, I was that was such a delightful chat. Thank you so much. Julie, Kate, did you find what you were looking for? Mm-hmm.